Welcome to the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast, your best source for information, news, tips, and tricks to get you off the ground running and earn success with your custom apparel decorating business. So get ready to soak up some knowledge. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mark. Hey everyone, and welcome to uh, the Custom Apparel Startups Podcast. My name is Mark Stevenson from Coldesi. And this is Mark Vila from Coleman and & Company. And we've got a guest today, as you can see if you're watching. Uh, if you're listening, you have no idea there's a guest. Right. Uh, so, But we're here with Mark Bl- uh, Blitnikoff with First Amendment Tees. And he's here to talk to us about his business, the success of his business, uh, contract printing, uh, a lot of different things, right? Yeah, honestly, it's just another another part of our journey to find as many people named Mark as we can there we go. in the custom apparel business, and he fit the belt. So he happened to be in town. Is this our third episode with a third Mark? I think so. Yeah, that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. Sam my brother Mark. Mark this is my other brother Mark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yes. like that. Good, good way back machine comment. I like that. All right, so um, the reason that, uh, that Mark is here is because... Not just has he been a Coleman & Company and Cold SE uh, customer for a long time, but um, he's actually um, done it. So uh, I'm going to let uh, Mark, I'm going to let you tell your story in a minute. But this is a guy that, you know, um, started a custom t-shirt business, right? Started very small, um, managed to uh, build up a real business doing custom t-shirts, um, and then added a contract DTG business on top of that. Um, so it's kind of what I know a lot of you guys want to do out there. I know that there are a couple of people listening that are wondering if they can mm-hmm. do it or wondering if they can actually start a business or like, do you have to be a rocket scientist? Do you have to, you know, drive, uh, you know, do you have to do motocross competitively? You know, do you have to yeah. be a paintball <laughs> aficionado? You know, the answer to that is maybe, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, Mark, wanted to say hi and uh, tell us a little bit about what you do now. Um, my name is Mark Blinikoff from Erie, Pennsylvania. I am the owner and president of First Amendment Tees, Contract-DTG, and my custom-T-shirt. Um, my story goes back 2010. Um, we started with our first printer from, uh, you know, Coldesi. It was, uh, we, we started... Unconventionally, most people start out silk screening and maybe embroider or something along those lines. We kind of went unconventional. We went backwards. We started with a DTG machine and then started adding other services as that went. Um, you know, we started. I started in my basement, probably like a lot of you guys, just uh, printing. And you know, I was I was in another job field, and I just woke up one day and said I was going to make T-shirts, and here we are, eight and a half years later, and. Yeah. You know, three yeah. three companies later and still going strong and growing, you know, year over year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our first printer that we bought is still in service today. Um, how we got into it was we started out and I said, hey, I want to make funny T-shirts. And that's where that's why I bought the, the printer was I wanted to make funny T-shirts, but I didn't want to make a thousand of them because I looked into silkscreen equipment. I looked into other methods and vinyl and, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted to get into. But I love the full color aspect of it. I love to be able you could print one. And uh, so that was like our gig. Like, I'm going to build a website. We're going to make funny T-shirts and that's how we're going to get in business. Yeah. And, uh, and we're... We're still doing that, but that's not where we went. You know, it completely yeah. changed. So, so I, I gotta say, like 2010, DTG was hard. 
Yes. Like it was really you you know like that DTG wasn't brand new, but yeah. we were still selling one of the first two printers I think. Yeah. Which was the HM1. Yep. And you know I mean they were certainly um, less expensive and and like it was the only way to go digital back then really. Yeah. And um, but you. It, it was a much more technical job. Like, you know, like now, you know, it's pretty it's pretty well developed. It's very sorted. The inks are different. The yeah. yeah, back then, I mean, you guys had a leader in that machine, I thought, back then. I yeah. come from a manufacturing background, mm-hmm. and I thought you guys had the leader in all the machines that were out at that time. And, um, and like I said, we still use those machines today. So, I mean, it was one of those things that we... I'm glad that we made the right choice. I made the right choice. Yeah. And uh, and we stuck with it. And, I mean, it's been paying dividends ever since. So And I mean, there's been a lot of, of, of stories like you with people who got into digital when digital was starting off, like coming yeah. ahead of the curve. And we have a lot of customers, actually, that own, that own you know, an original uh, kiosk or an HM1 or an original Viper. Yeah. So these are DTG machines from you know, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whatever it might be. And they did really well when they pushed through the tech side of it. Yep. So they came in when it was more tech heavy, pushed through it. And it kind of it builds you like good backbone for really like understanding the the hardships of business in and of itself when you're at the newer end of a technology. Yeah. Well, they say if you survived a business, you start a startup business in yeah. 2010, 2011. If you survive through yeah. that, you can survive anything. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's actually that's, pretty, that's pretty true. I didn't yeah. I didn't know that at the time. You know, like I said, I, I went from a job making almost a hundred grand a year and. You know, and not having a worry in the world, and you know, it was corporate America, and and then I was like, you know what, screw this, I'm done. I want to, I want to make T-shirts, and I, and I was like, I didn't know that the market was horrible. I didn't know that just that that terrible time to do this. The economy itself was yeah, and yeah. it was and it was good. Like you know, uh, I I was going to school for I I requested a layoff. I was going to college for mechanical engineering, and you know, I was just like, but then. The business had started taking off, and it was like I had to, you know, I, I couldn't continue school. Like yeah, I had to, yeah. I had to, you know, I had to stop going to college, and I had to focus full time on business. You know, yeah. so so um, from you got your H M one. Yep. Um, when was the? How long did it take you to go in the black to actually like make money? Um, the first. Geez, I had the machine. I got it in June, and I mean there was months. Two months of like nothing but playing with it, learning the software, playing with pre-treating because this is before there was pre-treat machines and yeah. and you know we were still doing a Wagner spray gun and a, and a heat press and you know and then it was like it was like figuring out the process and then I, I kind of figured it out I was like well I can't have the same machine that's doing the pre-treat doing the curing of the ink and I needed to have like I saw the bottleneck of where what what was the production so I added a couple heat presses and then. Yeah. You know, and then it ends up, then we end up adding another machine because you're only, in all reality, you only get paid to put a print on a shirt. You don't get paid yeah. to pre-treat it. You don't get paid to, pr- yeah, to fold it. You don't get paid to mail it. You don't make any money. There's no value-added services except for putting a print on the shirt. So I needed to, you know, I needed to establish a, a base cost shop rate. Right. Um, you know, we were doing it in the basement and then it kind of, it overcome my whole house and like my first right. floor 
And, you know, it, it was just like, this is enough. So I got my first shop. It was a little over a 1,000 square foot. And, um, you know, we, we had got another machine. So we had two printers. And we had actually set up, like, a pre-treat area and a stock room and, and stuff. And it was moving it out of my house was probably one of the best things. Yeah. You know, because um, I had to separate work from, you know, work from home. It was like, yeah. it was kind of overcoming. And, and it was like the whole learning process of doing it at home. And, you know, and trying to figure things out and but being able to work anytime I wanted walking downstairs, which just yeah. wasn't it wasn't too conducive to like a real established lifestyle. But yeah. but did that did that um, did moving into moving out of your house, did that extra financial burden like put your put pressure on you to be more successful or were you already there and just kind of made more room? It was kind of a combination of both. We were we were doing a lot more work. We kind of fell into contract printing at that point we had some customers that needed prints done on a fulfillment basis so that's kind of where we made the big jump from just doing local t-shirts for you know groups and clubs and friends and stuff like that and you know but then actually someone finding you you know and 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 making a website so that people can actually find you like you know the yellow pages and the white pages that's not how people find you you know and even in, even in 2010 like business was different then so like we we had built a website it was horrible you know but it was functional and explained yep. what we did so that's how someone found us to do actual contract printing that was out of our yeah. out of our state. So is know? that like a little was that like a break a bit of a break to, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was establishing you know having a website and establishing in legitimizing who you were this not is, just yeah, not just a brick yeah not yeah. just a brick and mortar waiting for someone to walk through your door it's someone that's cruising the internet at three o'clock in the morning finding someone that does what you do and specializes in what you do yeah. and then needing your service so that's kind of how we got into the contract printing yeah and that was kind of the game changer for us was yeah. then i started seeing the value and where you know there, there's a real need for this not just printing you know for a club or couple softball shirts and stuff like that it was it was providing a service you know whether it's someone that owns a restaurant or someone that owns you know or, or yeah maybe a softball team or someone that's maybe in michigan and and they don't have that type of printing locally yeah. so that's kind of how we it, how we grew is people yeah. needing our service yeah so. so so that's one of the things that we um we talked about over lunch is how do you market your business and and you know one of the things i did immediately on the phone uh a smart move that you made was kind of to put those con- that contract DTG word, like on the yeah. new, on the new website. Because still today, if you if you search for contract DTG printing, yeah. you're the number one organic search. Yeah. So I mean, and that's worth a lot of money. Yeah. And so a great argument for you know you were early in this, right? You you made the right content on the site, got people to find you, and that just kind of. Yeah, well, actually, we didn't have a contract site for probably about three years. Mm-hmm. So we, we piggybacked everything, the contract printing, the everything off of fat-t.com. Right. And so we really didn't have a contract. We, we offered it through First Amendment Tees, you know, through our website. But that's not really how we, you know, that, that's really how they found us. And then, you know, then we decided, like, hey, because 
you know, of the volume, we need to separate it. The we need to separate the business. So we have our local, oh, yeah. and then we had to have it legitimized because then you're also confusing customers. You have retail customers trying to get contract pricing, and yeah. contract customers scared about retail pricing, and it just didn't mesh. Yeah. So we had to separate the two customers. That was that was our defining moment of of you know of setting that up. Well, I'd see um, this like your story has a. Uh, uh, classic example of when we discuss like the lifetime value of a customer yeah because so what you had learned probably early on in your business is you know, how to how to talk with customers how to deliver good customer service you learn you took time to learn the product and are the the methods so you made a good t-shirt and then when you had that opportunity when you got that first break to to do a good some big jobs over and over yeah. again yeah. you you were able to keep that customer and I think that that's that's like a key thing what that happens with small businesses is that um, and no matter what they are, I mean, of course, in our industry as well. But if it if they're a restaurant or or you're a plumber or an AC, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to treat customers right, if you don't know how to actually run it as a business, then when you get the breaks, you just miss them. Yep. Yeah. And if or you know what you were doing, you wouldn't first have order yeah. and then you're done. Yeah. And even though your retail customer is a different customer than your contract customer, a contract customer is more educated already in the business. A retail mm -hmm. customer is uneducated in that form of printing or you know as far as that pricing or why does yeah. it cost this um you still have to treat those customers and we we try to go a little extra we try to do a little bit more than say our competitors mm -hmm. you know um the personal touch the calls the hey you can text me anytime day or night you know um you can have my personal phone number i don't really we don't really shut out our customers if there's a problem or anything yeah. like that but we you know my, I've always said that there's no substitution, you know, for being second best. Mm -hmm. We will not survive, and I've instilled that since day one. You know, we we tried to offer a better service. We try to offer you know better artwork, a better hands-on approach to handling the orders. How do how do we present them to our customers? Things that we do. There's a lot of things that we do that I know other people don't do. Yeah. And um and I think that's been a lot of how we've gotten to where we are is because of what we offer. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it, that's great. I mean, it's literally, you just went through like five episodes of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. It, it, it's great. About. And one thing that, that you mentioned that I don't want to um, go over too quickly is that voice you use when you talk to your customer, like you're like, cause we go through that with cold Essie and Coleman and company all the time. Uh -huh. You know, we're always talking to our customers about, you know, pick your niche. It might be a local market, it might be cheer, it might mm -hmm. be baseball teams, you know, whatever it is, pick your niche so you can talk talk that language to those people. You know, because if, you're, if your customers are startups, like they've never done anything before, that's a completely different conversation from somebody that, you know, is buying, you know, a thousand shirts every two weeks. You know, and yeah. having having the industrial, the commercial conversation with one customer, and the what color do you want for your T-shirt for grandma with the other customer? That, that's hard to do if you're talking from the same spot. Yeah, you have to juggle that. I mean, I have one customer that lives in Indonesia. He's been a customer since the early days. Mm. I have no idea what he looks like. He places an order five days a week, fifty-two weeks out of the year. 
pays me. I don't even invoice him anymore. He just invoices himself. Mm-hmm. And I'll check him. It's wow. crazy. It's the most crazy That's thing. That's great. But, like, it's been a working relationship that we've had for eight, eight years, I would say. You wow. know, and it's just, but that's how we do things. You know, he can chat with me. We have WhatsApp or we use, you know, Google Chat or, yeah. or email or whatever. But we have an open communication of, like, if something's lacking or something needs to be changed or, you know, and he's halfway around the world. So, I mean, and we do stuff like that all the time. But, yeah, treating those customers and treating them right and, and making sure that you do what you say and you say what you do is it goes a long ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And especially because you're not going to you're not going to be free of making mistakes with a customer like Absolutely that not. or making errors. And that's something that um, that a lot of small business owners uh, struggle with because they see um, it's easy to see outwardly and see the mistakes that everyone else is making, whether it's your customer delivering something you wrong or whether you know a UPS doesn't deliver your shirts on time yeah. it would be yep. but it's really hard for as a small business owner to look inwardly and see the, all the mistakes that you've made or you're about to make yeah. and i think like these are lessons that people need to learn that when you understand that you make the mistakes too then you are just become better at building relationships because you can forgive when others make yeah. mistakes and yeah. you know how to react when you make a mistake yeah and we we have made many mistakes you know yeah. and um the biggest thing is we we make it right though you know yeah. and there but there are times where you know like there it's not our issue but even then we've bent or you know but there's still there's there's times where you have to learn from that mistake and you change your process or you implement something a checkpoint in the, in the process to kind of eliminate some yeah. of those things so those are the things that we've learned from too yeah. is we've we've changed the process from earlier now we have like eight steps that are that a shirt is checked you know yeah. where it used to be like oh we just grabbed it and we sprayed it and then we printed it and then we same guy threw it in a bag now it touches different people different sets of hands and different visual checks and you know when someone says well hey i got my shirt and there's a slice right in the middle of it it's like okay well you know we've had eight people touch that and there was no hole right. we know that you opened the bag mm-hmm. and we fold the shirts a certain way and there's little things that we do that we know if it's our fault or if it's someone else's fault. You yeah. know? And there's things that you, you're going to learn from, like where you have holes in the armpits or you know the, the shirt was sewn. You know, it's just you don't yeah. know or you don't catch it. And, yeah, you make those things right, you know. Yeah. So. And we do – Coleman Company does the same thing yeah. um, because they – I mean, you know, think about supply orders and – how many cones of thread? How many how many packages pass through yeah. Coleman and Company? And we've got you know most months under a two percent. Oh, it's under. It's it's less than one percent. Less than one percent error. Yeah. error less rate. than one percent yeah. error rate, pretty consistently. However, um, they're bound to happen, no matter you know what yeah. you do. And then we learn new processes. And also, um, you just we were talking about earlier today the improvement of products. You know this yeah. direct to garment ink. That's I don't know, roughly 15 years old, you know, roughly. Um, the the first version had, I mean, it, some of the smartest chemists in the world making this stuff. It took running them through printers for yeah. five years to realize that if you change the parts per million of oxygen from this little bit to this little bit, that seems like nothing. I, I, makes I, a massive difference. I actually think it was if you don't put sand in it, yeah, then you know it'll it'll print much better. We're hoping to get right. to that to that point. I then. thought it was like magical fairy dust. That, it yeah. is, it is that. But but you know, um, I'll say say something else about like the whole, you know, making mistakes and, and uh, the customer experience is it's kind of the, it's the neighbor's mailbox thing. You know, if you if you hate your neighbor. And they back out of a driveway and knock your mailbox over. It's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. If you like your neighbor, you just go stick the mailbox back in the ground and let it go. 
right? So it's the same thing. If you consistently deliver, you know, a good product and it's packaged well and you're going above board and, and you're responsive to things, then if you do make a mistake like that, you know, you're not going to lose a customer. You know, it's just going to be, you know, oh, yeah, no problem. What can we do to fix it in the future? Yeah, we always make it right. I mean, we, yeah. you know, we will have production meetings and, and we'll discuss points of, of error or interest or things that need to be changed, you know. And I, I let my, I hire a good staff that will implement things on their own. If I have to step in, there's it's it's gone beyond, you know, that they haven't fixed the problem. Yeah. So I do kind of let um, self-starting individuals and motivated individuals, you know, run and fix their own problems. Yeah. Um, like I said, if I step in, then it's a, I'm adding a checkpoint or I'm adding something that is, you know, it, it's either something that's really bad or something that really needs to be taken care of or I want to make sure it's taken care of right type thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'm curious. Do you have, do you have like a particular mistake like a this like a really big one you either made as a business owner or for to a customer that stands out um, amongst others how did you overcome it um there's a couple um there was one where we had a, a very large contract customer where we had printed um something and it was kind of a gray area they told us to print the same artwork as a previous job and it, they said it was the same artwork but they they didn't tell us to use the new artwork and it was like this kind of a gray area and it was a i mean it was a massive it was a like a three thousand dollar mistake that we had yeah. to eat you know and it was it was our fault you know because we should have used the new artwork and it was something like it was something so simple like a black line of of uh in in the artwork or something that like if i put them side by side you might not even notice yeah you know because like we didn't even yeah. know so like what are you talking about you know and um so that was one of our biggest mistakes that you know and something we still stand by today like if a customer uploads the artwork and even if they say like a hey, same print as the other or same print as previous job number xyz two two three four like we we kind of stand by that or that's a that's a big glaring red flag of like hey stop raise your hand let's get on the phone with them let's yeah. Let's send them a proof, you know. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper because I always tell my guys like, hey, for you to you know to spend an extra minute is is well worth, um, yeah. you know, my labor paying you an extra five minutes to check on something, yeah, is is saves, you know, even if it's a one shirt fulfillment, you know, you got the shirt three dollars, you got the ink, it's two dollars, you got the the poly bag, you have the label, it's you know three dollars and all that adds up if you would have just came up to me and asked me you know or checked the website to make sure that the white the text was supposed to be white not gray like if you would have took that 30 seconds and checked that then you would have one of those things you would have that you know that ability to save money you know over time yeah and you and you don't have an upset customer yes which when we talk about like yes. lifetime value they they could go away that could be just you hit them at the right time, the, the right one, place. They could have been. It, you might not have done anything bad to them ever, yeah. but they had a really bad day, and you were the last thing that happened. And they just you know, throw it up, and they're just like, "Never mind." Yep. And this is what you do. Saying that is the same reason we have customers that will call up here and say, "Just send me the same stuff I ordered last time." Yeah. And, no. <laughs> and do, so hold on, hold on. Yeah. This, this, and this. That's not what I ordered last time. Well, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah. You're right. Uh, two yeah. orders ago. Two orders yeah. ago. You know, and and I've literally had that phone call myself with somebody who they just literally forgot their last order 
they forgot to order something on the so they they added an extra order of bobbins for their embroidery machine that was a second order so i yeah. went back to their it was an hour apart so to them in their mind it was the same, same order yep. they got it the same day then it was all and you know who's wrong job. you know who's wrong you are yeah no matter yeah. and you yeah. know that yeah like um i have a timestamp on this i have an email like you yeah. know but at the end of the day you're doesn't wrong matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and that's why you know that's why you know mcdonald's invests in the screen that shows you your order <laughs> it's why your server at restaurants will repeat back what you ordered. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over again, wherever you go. It's that reconfirming to the customer that you're going to deliver what they asked for because when you start making assumptions and then you really, you it's your fault. It's Burger, you, yeah. Burger King's fault. You're yeah. way right away yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> That's why when you go in a biker bar, you see a girl at the end of the bar. So All right. the, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your, your business now. Okay. So, um, what are all the technologies that you use right now? Um, as far as printing services, yeah, yeah. Um, so we do our primary is um, direct to printing. Yeah. Um, so we're a full service direct to printing. Um, we do local, obviously, a lot of contracts. Um, we are probably a seventy five percent contract printing company, um, and that does consist of, uh, you know, a lot of DTG direct to printing, a lot of uh, silk screening. We have a lot of mixed orders, so it would be a DTG left chest, silkscreen back. We do a ton of those orders. That's we, interesting. We call those mixed orders. So like, you know, where there's a shirt and have like a full color front print and then I'll have a one color sponsor back. So we have a lot of mixed orders. I would say we've noticed that in the last, since we've upgraded our screen department to be more high volume, I've noticed in the last couple of years, we see a lot of mixed orders okay. in the contract side of customers. Yeah. Like we see a lot of dead jump. I would say, I would say probably 20% of our jobs, you know, wow. you know, anywhere from 15, 15 to 20% of our jobs that come in now are multi-side shirts, mixed orders. Yeah. So, and, and it's interesting because, um, in the room that we're sitting in here, we've got a, the a digital heat, heat effects transfer system and a cutter for mm -hmm. heat transfer vinyl and a spangle machine spangle and an embroidery machine yeah, yeah, yeah. we do have a lot going on here yeah and specifically those two though um i have in the conversation even with when we first started merging these products together within the teams um that sell and support here on like what would be the point of having these two right here and and that just sat down i said well we'll do the math on a single color heat transfer vinyl, like doing a lot of lettering, numbers yeah. and lettering, and doing a multicolor with a transfer. On, on why, like, when on mixing these two together is the perfect formula, depending on what the job is. Yeah. So, and like you said, a sponsor back, you know, you're not going to want to do that and really any other technology besides get that screen it yourself or contract screen it out yeah. because there's so much detail. Yep. So, you're not going to want to weed it. Yep. Um, you can't it, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you can't weed it. Physically can't. And then you might not want to necessarily do that with a transfer because of the size of the print. Yeah, you it's going to be too costly. It's going to be too costly to do the front and the back for the whole, for the whole we have We have a local customer that, uh, same thing, they do embroidery. They have a very small embroidery machine. Um, and they do vinyl. And they got a large 150-shirt uh, order, and it was a two-color front, and they weeded out all of the vinyl oh. for this. But then they had a sponsor back, and they were just like, we, like, they had a They're team tired. of women, you know, and they yeah. lost their tail on this job. Yeah. Doing high-detail 
two color front, and then they were gonna they they started doing the back, and they said we just can't physically we don't have enough people and we don't have enough time. Yeah. So they they came to us and they said, can you screen print this? We we're like, yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's with the importance of of having some humility and what you could do for yourself because when you become yeah. a small business owner, you think you can do everything because you can yeah. do a yeah. lot for yourself. Yeah. Is why? Yep. yep. And uh, and then, but it's it's important to decide when should you go out. And but contract it's, it, yeah, it's also a perfect like example of the kind of relationships that we talk about. That if you are if you are starting a business and you're going to get digital heat effects or you're going to get a DTG printer or an embroidery machine, you are 100% going to get asked for things that you don't do every day. Yep. Every time somebody brings an order to somebody that's got a cutter, they want a cap or they want an embroidered logo. They, you know, every time somebody yep. like somebody with a DTG print. They want you to screen print jerseys, or they want you to provide a cap to go to go with the order. So knowing knowing people like Mark in your area yeah. or out of your area, just having a good relationship there, so you know, you know that okay, one day I'm going to get an order for 150 shirts. What am I going to do? I'm going to talk to this guy, get a quote, you know, and do the turnaround time, and then I'm just going to collect the money. Yeah, you know, you're not going to sit there and try to. You know, ruin your life. I was, those jobs. I was at that point. Like we, I mean, we do a lot of services back to the services. So we direct garment print, we silk screen, we pad print, we cut custom shirt vinyl, sign vinyl, embroider. Um, yeah, we do a lot of stuff in house. And and I have even learned that you know, I like I get I get a lot of requests for like full cut die sub. You know, and oh, just yeah. so lucky that I have a friend that does it. Mm-hmm. So we contract that out to him. It's like I can't just keep buying equipment. I'm the dummy that bought every service. I offer I offer more services in house than anyone in a tri state around me, you know. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, you hey, need hey, to know your limits. Let me just say that Mark Blitnikoff does not speak for cold essing <laughs> You should buy every piece of equipment. Well, and, and actually in this room. And, but there's so much that you that you don't do even though you you yeah do yeah so much. yeah and like i would like an oki i would like there are things that i would yeah. like i mean i don't know how much i would use it but i do see a niche for it you know yeah. but yeah you do have to learn what you're capable of what you're not capable of and without putting yourself in, in financial duress you know yeah. like you need to know your limits you know and it, there's a balance i yeah. think because if you try to if you try to run an entire business only with with no future of off of like just I'm gonna have one embroidery machine and nothing else, yeah. you cap out somewhere. No Absolutely, matter, no matter what it is, like yep. and you, you might be happy with that because that's your goals. Um, but then you make the choice: is a second or larger embroidery machine the, the run up, yeah. or is a digital heat effects printer? I, or I, I feel what? like it should always be a pick two. I, I yeah, feel like I, you should I, always like, like if you're yeah. gonna do embroidery, get a cutter. You know, if yeah. get a get a get a DFX. If you're going to do DTG, get a, get a cutter or get an embroidery machine. Yeah. You know, make sure you've got some place to go. That's why I think you know we try to talk to everybody that we talk to literally about like this machine is great and it'll do tons of stuff. Day three, you're going to get a request that you're going to have to say no to. Yeah, yeah. And you, you can't know, do it. because but the, yeah. pick, the pick two, I think, is is great as well. Um, I think it, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, embroidery is great, but there's only so many things you can embroider. And there's only so many things you can do with it. You know, I yeah. can't put a picture of, on, on the front of a T-shirt with it. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. not a feasible thing. And, you know, yeah, the Oki does it. Yeah, the DTG printer does it. So you got to kind of find your niche and you got to find out where you fall. 
then I think that's the route you're going to go. And I think a vinyl cutter is definitely a, a huge, you know, that's that was our second piece of equipment we yeah. bought. It's yeah. inexpensive, and it's it, can ex- sit, it can sit yeah. there. Yep. You don't have to maintain it. Yep. There's a lot of great things. Yeah, it, you know, you can do jerseys and names and numbers on the back. And, like, that was, I think, yeah, that was our that was our second piece of equipment that kind of, because we had the DTG machine, and then it was like, you know, I was doing softball jerseys and stuff. I needed something where it was just a one-color design, and, and then not the DTG couldn't do it, but yeah. it was like one of those things, like, that was kind of the game-changer of being, and then next thing you know, I'm cutting vinyl for other businesses locally. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a couple businesses that we work for, they still don't have a vinyl cutter. It blows my mind. Like, eight That's years later. Crazy. Yeah, like, That's how do you crazy. not have a vinyl cutter? They're, you know? yeah. like... Twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, yeah, it's a good one for a good for, one. For a good one. I and, still have the same one. Yeah, yeah. And we have um, we have a good amount of customers that do the digital transfers, and the um, they're doing basically small contract work with those. Yeah, selling the transfers, like you mentioned, selling yep. the vinyl yep. transfers, and that's huge business for we have you know. So we have plenty of people who wanted to start a T-shirt business, and they realized that just locally they could print transfers just locally for all the shops because they want you know little logos on the side yep. and tags. Yep. And we, we've got our we've got our our um, our guy Corey that from Signco Designs that it seems like like a big part of his business mm-hmm. is just doing. Tags for other for other with the Oki yeah. like for doing other like selling like you so you know you want ten shirts a customer wants their own logo on the back no problem rip off the old tag yeah you know place the order I so mean, we do those we either pad print them or we do plastic transfers or something yeah. like that yeah. or, or we screen print them you know mm-hmm. um, we don't have that we don't have a lot of requests for the full color neck and I would love to be able to do it you know yeah. and it's something we because we have been getting more and more into full color or you know multi-color neck tags inside and stuff like that so it's definitely something that i'm going to probably look into digital is just yeah. keeps growing and as digital grows um more colors it becomes it becomes yeah. normal you just think you can get anything anywhere no matter what it is yeah. printed in full yeah. color and that actually doesn't exist in we talk world. to those but, people all the time but uh why won't it do this it just doesn't yeah. well, it just doesn't part of why the uv printers the compressed UV printers do well. Yes, is because people want a full color print on it, on anything, which, everything. which yeah. this printer can basically does. Yeah, unless you <laughs> want to print on a silicone pad or a live cat. Yeah, yeah. then it's hard to keep them still. You haven't tried a live cat? I said it's hard to keep oh, them still. Okay. There you go. Um, well, all right. I, I have some other questions we'll ask here. Okay. One, one that I was just one that I think about all the time, um, and I just put a number three. But what are what are like a few big mistakes that like a, a t-shirt shop or an embroidery shop can make as a startup that you either you made or you could or you didn't make but you could have made I mean, anything like that because what what we the reason why I ask is because um, too many of our customers they they make really fatal mistakes early on and then they're calling us trying to figure out how to get how to get, how to get out, out of it how to get out of the, it the biggest thing is is Biting off more than you can chew and, and making promises you can't keep. Um, or buying a piece of equipment when you haven't gone to training, you haven't tested it, you haven't wash tested it, you haven't proven it. And that's the biggest failure is like whether it's embroidery. Like I don't know how many people I see that say, yeah, I have a 100 shirt order, but my machine doesn't come till next Tuesday or next Wednesday or two yeah. months from now. Or like, why are you taking orders? Like you have to prove your process. Before you sell anything, yeah, you don't go sell it. You know, you don't open up a burger joint and sell burgers without beef and a grill. 
Like, yeah, or without ever making a burger before. Yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> even though, you know, and you can't make a grilled cheese sandwich. Like, you need to learn and prove your process. Like, you can't, yeah, you, you can't sell, you know, construction equipment and you don't even have a resource for, for anything, you know? it's yeah. You can't, that's the biggest thing is I think people oversell themselves and right now the t-shirt industry i think is probably the hottest it's ever been and there's so many competitors in my field and local and online and i think that's you know everyone thinks that they can do it and it's i don't think not that i'm saying that it's as it's as easy as everyone thinks or it's as harder than Mm -hmm. it's harder than everyone thinks but i think that people don't invest the time into themselves into learning the process and not just learning it but actually making it right yeah you know i mean mm-hmm. anyone can make a t-shirt you know are they doing it right or are they doing it you know are they learning about placement you know and making themselves some samples and wearing it and washing it and how does it feel and and is, is the left chest logo in the right place and like i did that for months before i did anything yeah, yeah and, and and i invested the shirt you're buying yes is is, is the shirt good Do you yes like, are you proud to wear the shirt yes meaning like the quality of the actual blank yeah and um uh, what i think about making t-shirts is the same as as anything else like everything everything combines together into one like it's a similar philosophies so you had mentioned that um when we had lunch that you had um you'd race motorcycles and you do paintball all of these things and you make t-shirts right all of these things that's the exciting thing going and if you say how hard is it to go play paintball it's anyone can do it right you absolutely anyone could how hard is it to hit a target on a paintball well how close is it it might be really easy how hard is it to be a a champion in a in a paintball tournament yeah. extremely hard so and i think t-shirts is the same way is that you know people watch me make a video do a video and i'll make a yeah. t-shirt you made it look so easy that was easy yeah. what i just did was easy you know it wasn't hard yeah. now that's not but i didn't also make sell 150 t-shirts to somebody collect the get the money from them fulfill the order deliver create it, the artwork create yeah. you know it's like that's not what i'm doing here yeah you know and and however that also, that that can be easy, but it can also be challenging if you're not doing it correctly. Every industry, no matter what you're doing, whether you're like racing bikes or making T-shirts, you know, on on the surface they're easy. The deeper you go into yep. it, the more you have to be a pro. And again, being that it's probably as competitive as it's ever been, that market, everyone thinks that they can do it right now. You know, and I say I see people like, oh, I'll play, I'll play paintball. Going back to that, yeah. And I say you have a better chance of beating Michael Jordan in basketball than you do playing me you know it's yeah, just that yeah. equation of same thing like you know we have people that in the contract printing world and dtg you know we have customers that you know they're a garage printer and they have a couple homemade you know direct garment printers and they you know they'll undercut us in price or something you know and it's like okay great you know next thing you know that customer's back yeah. because their equipment's broke or they don't have enough ink today and they don't have enough t-shirts or they everything washed off or you know so we we deal with that a lot we see a lot of customers leave and come back you know and we don't claim to be the cheapest but we do you know we do we claim to have a great product at an affordable price you know Mm -hmm. and we stand behind our product so but we do see a lot of competitiveness right now that where people are trying to undercut and it's it happens in any business yeah you know even in your machine room business there's people that are doing you know that try to undercut you guys but you're but like you're at a point now where you're growing yes right yeah absolutely just keeps getting better and better yep but there's but there's more competition out there yep so so 
how are you so how do you do that on like a daily basis because we get a lot of people that say i I can't compete with this guy or but you can you can so um since i've been in business just on a local level since i've been in business there's seven new screen print t-shirt shops that have opened up in my city maybe maybe eight yeah, um, and so probably since, one or two you've never heard of that opened. Yes, you know? and there's probably a couple garage printers yeah, that I don't yeah. know of. But yeah. they are legitimately, there's seven new t-shirt places since I have opened up just in my hometown, my city, which is a city of over 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. So that's not a lot of people, and yep. we have seven new businesses that have opened up. Yeah. And we still succeed in that market. But you have to be able to know what your limits are. You have to be able to offer something that someone doesn't and not saying a service, but you have to be able to go that extra mile with the customer service. You have to be able to fold the orders and bag them. You have to be willing to help with the artwork or you have to be, you know, you have to offer something that they don't, you know, and it's not necessarily you don't need to fight over nickels and be the absolute cheapest. Yes, that works, but that you can't control your pricing with someone else's, you know, like, and granted, I can't compete. You know, with the guy that's doing 25 shirts in a garage, like to me, I, I just can't compete with that guy and I'm not going to compete with him. That's yeah. not, but he can't compete at a hundred shirts, you know, full color or, you know, the one shirt full color. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the only person have, that does you it. You got to have some kind of a, of a you have to have a niche. What, what, yes. Whatever, yeah. whatever that is. Well, and you bag your shirts, which is cost of, was that like a nickel yep. or something like yep. that? Four right? cents. It's a nickel. Yep. And so, you know, if you want it to be the cheapest out there. And you're trying to, you'd have to shave that nickel off to yep. shave your price by a nickel. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, what, but that's, but it's not worth a nickel what you're doing. That service that you provide when it's in a bag, it's clean. When they have to divvy them out to say, you know, if they're buying 50 shirts and they have to divvy them out to a crowd of people, yep. it's like, there's no stains on them. They're not messed up. They're easy to pass around. <laughs> and that feels good. You want to experience that again compared to getting a torn up box. Yep. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Or no box. Yeah, or no or or a, or a blue bag from the grocery store is yeah, what they're carrying their stuff out. Yeah. yeah, we get so we do a lot of like local. So just a, an example, like our local, uh, say spirit orders. You know, mm-hmm. some team comes to us and all the parents want to order gear, and you know, and say we do the t-shirts for the team. That's where we make the money is on the spirit wear. But one thing we also do, so we create an order form for them so that they can pass it out. You know, and all the money comes back in, and we take that order form. And then we fulfill that order form with all the different services, whether it's you know direct garment printing or silkscreen or embroidery, whatever it is. So, and then we take that order and we bag it for them. So all those pieces that they bought is stapled into a very nice bag. And here's their order form, so they don't have to sort it. So a lot of people don't do that for their yeah. for their spirit wear. But you know how many parents and moms are like, oh my god, you sort this for us? They come like we just found the the ark of the covenant you know yeah, they, yeah. they're like oh that's, and that's so hard to do well yeah. they have to buy pizza and beer and they yeah. have 10 parents in a room and hey who's got the largest and yeah, they're like yeah. but we do that and they're like oh my god like <laughs> i just want to kiss you you know how many moms great. like come in and they're like oh, oh my yeah. god like you just made my day i don't have to sort this yeah. you know and they just literally are like smith jones and they're just handing out bags and it's done i just made their life easier yeah. so that's one thing why i get a lot of spirit wear locally is just because i take that extra step and for me to sort that out it's nothing yeah and we were talking earlier today about like the bottles that we use for ink yes you know like yes we, so we sell tons of ink for years all over the world yep. really 
and um, Michael, who is in charge of the warehouse and making sure everything's full in there, um, he's... I can't tell you how many boring conversations I've heard him talking about bottles before. And it's because having a good bottle that's the right grade, the wrong grade, the ink can get seep into the yep. bottle or out, yep. having a bad cap. And Busting we the are the manufacturer of our bottles had some sort of major issue and we're out of a certain size bottle for a period of time. So we're fulfilling orders with smaller bottles just because we didn't have the big ones. And Michael found some boxes of some old bottles. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, no, we're not going to put ink in these. Yeah. You know, because we have a standard that we're trying to deliver to our customer, for one, um, not receiving a, a box with broken bottles. And then also the fact that they can rely on that to put on the shelf to keep the ink safe. You know, yeah. that's a very expensive. Absolutely. And, and I'm a longtime customer, and I appreciate that handling of, of the ink and the pre-treat yeah. and everything else because – you know, I have dropped bottles, and I have, and I know that when my product comes, it's in a nice, thick three mil clear bag with a zip tie on it. So if it, yeah. I don't have to worry about it leaking through my shop, like yeah. I, I appreciate that extra and, step and that you guys. Michael take. literally goes off the end of the warehouse when he gets new bottles and stuff, fills them up with water, and throws them off. That's like great. he's done yeah. that, and he'll build. It, all right, this one got thrown off eight times before it broke. I think we're good. To That's use great. This bottle. You I know mean, what? I, I, I just remembered that you're the reason that the pre-treat bottles the labels. are labels are so much different than the white ink. Yes. Oh yeah. When you guys switched the new logos, they were almost exactly alike. And um, back in like a while back. When you guys switched to so probably three years maybe around more. It's when more. we went to. But I wouldn't have done uh, that. So no, that was it's I genuine too. DTG. It's when we oh, first yeah. went so to like genuine s- DTG. So yeah. it's like seven or six. Mm, yeah, yeah. I've been here five. So what happened was yeah. you guys didn't have gallons of pre-treat. You sent yeah. me liters of pre-treat and to make up for the gallons. So it was like, yeah. like four liters of, and I thought. That that was my whiting. Oh, one yeah. of my guys thought that, and he put it in the machine. So I like that. one yeah. of my guys. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. yeah. So that was my call. It was like, hey, yeah. we. I called him. I was like, we got a major yeah. problem. And then you guys fixed it like instant. It was like implemented, and it was like, thank you. Yeah. And it's been great since then. Yeah. And, and then that lesson is when because yeah because then I came in shortly after that because I remember that. It must have been within a year. We got really fanatical. About yeah, that. and then because I was redesigning labels, and there was just like a, there was just like flipping out over the around the building, like you're gonna redesign. And I was like, I'm gonna make this stuff look good, like modern, because it yeah. was now yeah. three old. years old. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I was, so, and they're like, you can't change the pre-treat, and I was like, don't worry, we'll make it right. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then it was actually funny. Like just a couple months ago, you had asked me. Hey, are they different enough? I th- oh, are you yeah. sure you don't want to make them more different? So I go in the back with my phone and I'm on Skype with him, and I'm, t- I'm like, "Are these not different enough?" For hey, you? listen, like, like Mark handles the Coleman Company e-commerce up a hundred percent. It's completely his baby. Yeah. He mentions the labels, and I'm like, "Okay, I think I need to see this." Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a, I mean, that was a costly yeah. mistake for, for sure. at the time for you know a, a small business. Yep. That was a very costly mistake. Yeah. It was you know two hundred fifty dollars or plus or in time, time, time and yeah. clean and. I mean, it was so downtime, no printing, no making money. Like, yeah, that was a very costly mistake, you know, and I'm probably not the only one that has done it because I just watched someone from another manufacturer that just did the same thing. Hey, what happens if you put pre-treat in and I'm like, uh, Uh, it's junk. Yeah. Yeah. You're hosed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Throw it all out. Rinse your machine. And that's one of the things that when you mentioned about caring about your customers and and think having the forethought to prevent them. Mm-hmm. making mistakes because that's what you do when you give 
the order form to the local spirit wearer people is you're you're having the forethought because they're going to make a mistake and then it's your fault. Yeah. You know, um, or you might make a mistake and it's your fault. You know, either way. But when you yeah. put together a good form and you give it to them and then they come back with it, then everything goes smoothly and they love it. And that's you know what we do when we think about labeling all of our products, everything that we label now. And and, and that was one of the things that we take thinking about customers in the future as we come out. We have. You know, when we have this, the printers that we have here, there's an A and a B paper. There's two papers. Yeah. One's an adhesive. If you run it through the printer, it's bad. Um, so we <laughs> yeah, make sure really that <laughs> we do our best to, in our, from training to the instructions, to how the box is labeled, to how it's ordered, to how it feels. If it doesn't even feel right, you know, we're in manufacturing, we're like, it needs to feel a little bit different even because there, if it's too close, it's, it's too much of a mistake and it doesn't matter if, if we put, don't put this in your printer on there, somebody's going to be upset at us still. So we yeah. do our best to, to help them. Yeah, uh, An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of pain. Yeah. <laughs> All day long. Yeah, I get that. So um, you now you've got 11 or 12 DTG printers. Yep, 10. You've got two, you've got two screen print setups. Yep. Uh, you've got an embroidery machine or two. Correct. Okay. Um, you've got the cutter. Yep. Um, how the hell do you keep all your inventory and stuff straight um so inventory i come from a manufacturing background so it's all it's all basically set up as lean manufacturing so it's all visual our shirts our stock our inks everything thread everything is you know vinyl it's all visual management so everything has a home and in that home, it, it should be visual. So whether it's a small Gildan's, they, everything has a shop. Like I can, I'm picturing my, my inventory room right now for shirts and I, I know exactly where everything should be. So obviously you need everyone on your staff to buy into that and they have. So, and yes, sometimes they do not buy into it. You know, it's just human error. But yeah, I, that's, we, we don't do a, an actual inventory system. I, I could not do an inventory system. I would literally pay someone to walk around and count things. If I had an inventory system, I would probably have three people walking around counting shirts and ink and everything else. And I just can't do that. So it's literally visual. Our left, is, you know, like where we keep our white ink is always in the same place. We rotate it in as the new stuff comes in. It gets pulled to the front. The, the, the new stuff that came in goes to the back. Same thing with our pre-treat. It always gets rotated and then in. And you can see. It's visual. See, yeah. yeah. It, it's visual. You're not leaving the stuff in boxes and put it nope, up there. With, nope. Never yeah. stays in boxes. Everything that comes in, we have an incoming, uh, you know, department. And everything comes in. It's right at the front. So our workflow is in in one direction out another direction so it goes in flows through no matter if it's product if it's ink if it's whatever everything goes down the right side goes left goes you know whether it's ink it goes left this way again or right if it's screen printing if it's pre-treat it goes that way comes back out goes to the printers snakes back through and goes out the front so it's a one flow in one flow out type thing it never changes directions it always goes in one way out the other so you know our shipping our shipping and our incoming and our shipping are basically right side by side so it comes in one side for incoming and it goes out shipping the other way so basically it's just like a big snake goes through yeah. so but you it, we keep everything everything easy everything smooth you know um, we try to keep it as clean as possible um, but uh, inventory is all visual so like our shirts our inks everything yeah. everything is visual do, do you, so you you manage your blank stock as well so you've got shirts that you prefer to print on correct 
And you keep those in stock? Yep, we keep three levels of shirts. So we have like our standard Gildan G2000s. And then our next step up is like our soft styles and anvils, 980s. And then our third stock is basically like next levels, like 3600s and 6010s and stuff like that. So we do keep a basic stock. And then we also keep a basic stock of hoodies. And same thing with women's. We have a three three rule. You know, we have a Gildan uh, anvil, okay. a soft style. Good, better, a, best for each yep, line. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. So we keep minimal stock because everything is so it's basically, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, may it, you order as you need it type thing. So we try to keep our stock at a minimum, but we know that we can have it there in one to two days. So And the small stock, is that for to mainly fulfill small orders and one-offs and yep. quick, yep. quick yep. jobs? Yep, yep, yep. So because we have an online t-shirt designer and we have customers that have online t-shirt designers and stuff, mm -hmm. so we got to have a kind of good selection. You know, Gildan's, you know, Gildan uh, G2000s, we carry like 15 colors. Okay. You know, at all times, at least two or three. And what sizes do you could you carry from small? Small to, to typically three X. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously your smalls, you might have one. You know, your mediums, you might have two or three. Your, you know, your large two, three, extra large two, three, two X, maybe two, three X, maybe one. So that's kind of our small you, amounts. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Always large to large to extra large heavy because that's where you sell. So now, when did you um, when did you go from or, or did you start carrying inventory from the beginning? Yes, okay. absolutely right from the beginning. I carried an inventory because, you know, we had a website, so I had to have one of everything that you we were offering. You were one-off shirts yep. from the beginning, yep. right? Yep, okay. so I, I kept a very limited inventory. And the shirts that we still use, we still use the same shirts today that we have always used. So we found a good we found a good shirt and it yeah. has lasted and it's soft and it fits right and it lasts and the dye batches are good. Yeah, you know um, how important is the shirt? Do you think to the to the process of running a t-shirt business is the blanks? Absolutely, it's. I think it's one of the yeah. most important parts of the process because, and it's a reason why we have return customers. You know, like for our house lines, yeah. is they want something that's soft and feels good and like. I mean, I've become from starting this. I've actually made myself a t-shirt snob. Like I won't wear yeah. a standard t-shirt. Yeah. You know, I've sponsored softball teams and they, they all get maybe want to, you know, just we're just going to do a standard cheap Gildan t-shirt, you know. And they were like, well, yeah, you got to print one because I, maybe I would play on the team or something like that. So And I'm like, yeah, here's the next level or here's a yeah. canvas Bella that I want, you know. So my shirt is always different. I just, yeah. I can't wear a standard t-shirt. I yeah. just can't do it ever since then. You know, That's once great. I found out, because I started the business because I wasn't getting what I wanted, meaning comfortable shirt, good artwork. So ever since then, I've like created my own monster. Is like now I can't wear a regular t-shirt. And yeah. once you wear something nice, it's just like once you drive a nice car, you're like, man, that's a nice car. Yeah. yeah. You know? Everything, everything you know, yeah. you look into that. You look food. Food, yeah. Everything. Sneakers, yep. clothes. I mean, yeah. you know, and yeah, you can get away with cheaper things and, and get away with not as nice things. But once you do find something you really like and then you try to go back, then you're like, well, that's not so good. Yeah. Like, I kind of miss even your toothpaste or your shampoo. Yeah. You find a shampoo that works, and, you know, you go back, and you're like, well, this didn't work out I, so I, well. I bet, I bet you hair, too. You know, not that I have a lot of hair, well, but. It's <laughs> a good point. You know? Um, my wife always gives me a hard time because if we go if we go shopping for clothes, you know, the first thing I do if it's got a design on it, you touch it, you flip it over, figure out what it is. Yep. You know, if we're looking for something with her, I turn it inside out. I'm looking at the seams. You know, if it's embroidery, I'm checking to see what the backing is. Yeah. I yeah. look at it, it's crap. Yeah. I get rid of it. Um, I was in the airport, and they, somebody somebody had, at the Tampa International, they had a big smiley face, like an orange, uh -huh. um, at one of the tourist shops, and it was rhinestones, 
there were rhinestones falling off, Ugh. you know, things like that. So I brought it up to the ma- store manager, and I'm like, look, you really shouldn't sell this. Yeah. You know, but uh, you get spoiled with what you're... And, and I think it's it's important that if you want to build a business that's not... Um, and this is the lesson that my, that my customers you know, have taught me, that if you want to build a business that is not about being the cheapest and is about like sustainability like they're like meaning that um like you sustain your customers yeah. over a long term that delivering out a quality product is the, the number one yeah there is yeah. there's very very few customers that we have that when we ask this question they say be in the lowest prices number one almost nobody we have that. uh so we've done work for some large large manufactured like uh custom t-shirt places mm-hmm. and you know um, and and their quality control or what they tell us to do is just not fit into our business model. And we've walked away from you know hundred thousand dollar accounts just because of the way they tell us to print. Like print on you know print on this, and we're like it's not going to work. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. And they can, and over and over, and then they come back and say, hey, the customer didn't pay for this, so now we're not now you're not, we're not going to pay you for it. It's like uh, no, sorry, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah, like we told you, do not send this to us to print. We told you it's not going to work out. We told you don't use this. You know, and it's like we've had those. You know, like I said, hundred thousand dollar plus customers that we've literally walked away from. You know, and and even for time constraints, like okay, you know, we're gonna pay you X Y Z for X Y Z amount of prints, and then and then they start changing and they start pushing you around just because they're a bigger customer, and they say, okay, well now you're gonna start printing stuff, uh, rush rush orders, but we're not gonna pay you anymore for it, and then we're gonna start printing extra rush orders, and then we're gonna start, and then we're gonna have like super rush that's gonna come in the same day at three o'clock, but that print has to leave at four, but we're yeah. still not gonna pay you anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, no. no. So we've walked away from again. You have to know your limitations, and you have to know your self worth of what you know what you're going to produce. Yeah, and they'll make you unhappy. They'll drive you. They'll drive absolutely business yep. away from you. Yeah, they'll they'll hold payment because you didn't ship that shirt. It's like, well, we didn't get it. We didn't even get a UPS shipment today, and so yeah. that's your fault, you know. And, right. Or they were late on their end, yeah. ordering one or two days, and then hold you up, and then they expect you to print it faster and stuff. So, like, you know, again, you have to know your self worth, and you have to know what you're capable of too, you know. And I can't I can't push them to the forefront. When I have other customers and Absolutely. other other time frames, yeah. you know, because like that's another thing we don't miss time frames. We don't ship late, you know. It's like do what it takes. Juggle juggle the schedule, you know. Move printers around, uh, move machines around. Like we do what we need to do to make sure that things. Yeah, you know, Michael will will. There's been times where the UPS didn't come, like. They just didn't come, you yeah. know. Like, who knows why? Yeah. That you know, the truck driver forgot, and then you know, now it's seven thirty at night, and you can't. The, the UPS at this point in time, the truck's back. They're not sending a truck back. Yeah, out yeah, from, yeah, yeah. The warehouse, you know. Yeah. So you know, he's loaded up his Jeep. I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and dumped them off. Yeah. And and um, the thing is, is that you'll net you'll you'll rarely be pat on the back for doing that stuff or thanked. Or at our, or people just won't even know you did yeah, that. Yeah. Most of the time, they don't know all the great things you've like really pushed to make sure that it gets there on time, or that you fulfill yeah. the time, or it looks right. And uh, and you have to. So I think that you've got when you when you're in business, you have to go into into that saying like all the hard stuff I'm going to do is most of the time nobody's going to know that I did it, yeah. but they're going to stay with me. They're going to pay me what I'm worth. I'm yeah. be happy. I yeah, I go good, I yeah. do UPS deliveries three days a week. I mean, I used to I used to do USPS and UPS deliveries mm-hmm. every night. 
And then finally we started getting pickups. Now we have pickups every day. But still, there's jobs that come after that point that I need to, you know, thank God we're like literally 100 yards from the closest uh, USPS. USPS. So we can literally walk it down. But we walk down bins of stuff. every night because of the deadline and things that have to go yeah. and it's not like we don't we don't look at it like hey it's not my job but I do it three days a week I have to go up to UPS store and drop off a box box of boxes and mm-hmm. I've been doing it now tis the season but no one knows how to do that but I have to do it yeah. I have you know we have deadlines that we have to meet and we mm-hmm. they have to ship by certain dates and yeah. stuff so so this is, this is a great example for for those of you that like you know that you've got the small business you've got a home-based business you're a garage printer and you're competing against guys like Mark, you know, so when you think that there are these um, these big shops that have a lot of equipment, that have a big advantage, and all they have to do is get their people to do this, and it's so easy for them to do 500 shirts, I mean, none of that is true. You know, they're, they're set up to do that. They're, they're you in five years or 10 years. You know, think about the business that you're doing now and the effort it puts in, puts in. Mark puts in that same effort just in different spots. Yeah. You know, it still means the same thing. He's still driving stuff down to, you know, over to USPS, you know, just like just like you should. Yeah. So, you know, if you're talking to a customer and they want something today or tomorrow and, you know, you're going to have to skip the first part of baseball practice to do that, you know, you might want to think about doing that. Yeah, and it's and then and and back to what you said too about knowing your limitations there's like you 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 find you have to find where your point is where you say if i do any more i'm gonna break right so i so i can't do that so i don't have a problem dropping the stuff off at ups on the on before i go home yeah you know however i'm not going to drive to the airport at 11 59 every night and then come back in the shop at 6 a.m to start you know because i'm not going to sleep or eat you know, and that, so don't allow yourself to break to do those things. That's, that's, why I that's why I really don't do any work after 10 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I really, it's just too much, for me. too much uh, for me. Well, I think we, we spent an hour together. Yeah, here. yeah, um, that's I, good. Uh, the, some of the takeaways I think that um, if you're listening, you should really think about on this are um, like Mark's attitude like about his business and about his customers I think that's like it, there's you can't put a number on that or you know you can write down what brands of shirts he used and those are all cool things to write down and think about what he does but there's like an overall attitude about how you run your business how you want to treat your customers and and really you can hear how you want to treat yourself like as a business even owner. my employees and your employees yeah. you can hear all of yeah. that which makes a good business which in, in a way that that drives success those those that's like those are the formulas of, of success that you can't um you can't put it in a math equation yeah i look i like that my employees look up to me and and i'm on kind of like a friend but i'm still a boss and i you know but yeah whether it's a customer employee anything i treat everyone the same and you have to put that time in and it's not that i'm looking for self-recognition or not that i'm looking at a return on my time but two years from now it will pay off you know or or three weeks from now or or five years from now like that's still paying off but i haven't done it like i still have that personal touch you know and we Mm -hmm. and i i instill that in my employees too like text take take the extra time and tell them 
hey, you know, your product hasn't showed up, whether it's a contract customer and they're sending stuff to us in seven boxes and they haven't showed up and they're supposed to leave tomorrow. It's like, hey, your product still hasn't shown up. You know, we're going to do our best and write that extra email or give them a phone call. And, you know, like we, we try to solve as many problems as possible and we try to talk to people and let people know and, and give them that personal touch. And whether it's, you know, we just don't want to, you know, just forget about them and be like, well, yeah. sorry. That's yeah. your fault. You know, yeah, like, yeah. no, we try to let them know, like, hey, you know, there was a snowstorm in the Northeast and we haven't got your boxes, and, but we're still going to try to get it out for you, you yeah. know? So, I mean, you need to spend time and effort, you know, in, in that and invest in your future. Gotcha. So, this is what we're going to do for you guys that are listening and watching on YouTube is we're going to put a link to um, Contract DTG, to Fat Tees. To uh, Mark Bolitnikoff's home address and his yeah. home phone number. <laughs> yeah, sweet. You know, we're gonna do all that. No, so so, so if you, yeah. it, so a few things. I, into the success story that he did for us on 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 coldessie.com, the the main thing that that I would love everybody to take away from from our time today is that you know you you you're listening to somebody that has been through what you are probably going through right now and has, has come out the other side and, and been successful with it. And the way he did it is really clear. You know, embracing the technology, doing everything right, treating customers well, you know, approaching his business from an, from an organized standpoint, um, treating his employees well. So everything that we talk about in all of the podcasts and in almost any small business book that you care to read is is what he's done it's not you know he didn't invent yeah you know magic telephones <laughs> you, you know what i mean or like the wheel telly, yeah or the wheel like everything that he's doing can be done and it can be done again and and also you know i i hope if you're listening to this and if you need contract dtg that you know that mark sounds like a guy that you want to do business with and if you are if you are an embroiderer or you've got a dfx or you know you're a small business start out you know Put together your team now of contract decorators that you that will help you handle mm-hmm. overflow business until you're ready to bring it in, and this is a great place to do it. We did that, and it's tough to find good people. You know, it's it. We had to do that at that point. We had contracted out stuff, and we you know we still contract stuff out when when we're overflowed. And it's yeah, you definitely you have to have those relations set and someone that you can trust. Yeah. You know, and don't just pull the plug on the first person you meet just because of their price is right. You yeah. get in what you you know, you get out what you put or into example, anything, whether yeah. it's your business or anything else. So yeah, be careful. Or Absolutely. Yeah. Ask a lot of questions too, you know, verify who you're working with and, and you know, and visit them or, or do whatever. But yeah, you you definitely need to you know, because they're a direct reflection of your business. They're doing work for you. They are a reflection of you. So yeah, and it's, be careful. Yeah, definitely be careful. And it's and you know, I, I have to talk about supplies when it comes to this stuff too. Yeah. Because you know, we had uh, somebody recently leave, leave a review, and they're like, um, I, "I found I found this product cheaper online, but um, <laughs> but you're, but you're local, so I'm going to buy from you." To kind of a review. And it was four stars, so I was like, I didn't, uh, but I really didn't like it. It bothered yeah. me, you know. Um, so I start doing some research and you know talk to the customer, find the product that they were buying, the paper they were buying. It, it was not the same paper of, as as our paper. Um, it was it was a different product that was cheaper. 
and um, and then you know you start looking at more in the reviews on that product. It's a very inconsistent product, you know. So it's an inconsistent product that was marginally cheaper from a company that nobody's ever heard of, and you start adding all that stuff together, and now this is like your business that you're staking twenty dollars on. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're betting twenty dollars a month yeah. um, compared to doing like, well, this is the this is the number one ink in the world or the number one paper in yeah. the world and you're you're gonna bet your business on 20 bucks and the same thing with the contract printing you know you're you're taking all this time to build up this business you finally get a big enough customer that you sometimes have to contract out you know you could do a bunch of business yeah. in we got to contract out a bunch because they give you big stuff and then you just go for the cheapest contractor you have no clue who they are didn't ask them any questions none of these things they deliver back a really poor quality product or not, late or late really both probably. and then now yes. you have to deliver that to your customer or lose out on the three grand or two grand you spent yeah. getting the biggest printed. order you've ever had yeah, yeah. that's the way it happens and that's what <laughs> you're, you're that's your, your biggest order is you're using a contract printer for it, and this is what you have to explain yeah right. so are you do you are you gonna bet how much are you willing to bet your your business on yeah. your yeah. livelihood yeah your so, livelihood so for yeah. <laughs> so for the average of four listeners that make it all the way to the end of our podcast for <laughs> no. all four of you guys no. so so do it do us a favor if you um if you enjoyed the podcast then uh please give us a rating on itunes uh six stars on itunes yeah. seven stars on everything else and uh you know mention us on facebook uh, you can you're welcome to join the custom apparel startups facebook group if you're not already we make sure that you know everybody gets um uh, notified when the podcasts come out we we post those in the group and you're always welcome to ask uh, mark veal and i any questions having to do with marketing of the business yeah absolutely. you know just uh, just shoot us a note if you're not part of Kaz, i definitely suggest you do become a member Definitely for any startup or any new business. Well, definitely you see tons a lot of, of cool people, and you'll hear and and I've gotten to the point now where on like I, you know, I'm just about hard truths online, you know, yeah. lately, and and people will say some things, and I'm just listen. No, like you you have to you have to think about it this way. If you want to win, like you got to think like a winner. Yeah, you know, type of stuff. So. Um, yeah, please share the podcast, rate it, and all this stuff. Selfie yeah. time, and, and make sure you talk to Mark Belitnikoff if you if you're looking to match a font. That is what tag him. All right, thanks everybody. Right. This has been Mark Stevenson from Coldesi and Mark Vila from Coleman and Company, thanks, and Mark, Mark Belitnikoff from Erie, Pennsylvania. Three marks. <laughs>